Welcome back to the fourth episode of the up and coming podcast brought to you by the UT Dallas Entrepreneurship Club. Our goal with this podcast is to highlight the entrepreneurial spirit at UT Dallas and the surrounding DFW startup community one journey at a time. Today, we are really excited for you guys to hear from Tim Reeser, co-founder of Fifth and Cherry, to talk about the process of creating the world's finest cutting boards and leading the forever retail movement, a movement centered around throwing away our disposable society by creating products that are sustainably produced, built to last a lifetime, and maintained generationally by the manufacturer. Throughout this episode, Tim drops gem after gem. So we'd recommend you listen to the entire thing and really pay attention to Tim's ability to storytell. Before we jump into it, if you are interested in the UT Dallas Entrepreneurship Club and the events and initiatives that we host aside from this podcast, we'd highly recommend you follow us on Instagram at eclubutd and our website at eclubutd.com. Links will be in the description below. With that being said, we'll jump right into it. Well, Tim, welcome to the Up and Coming Podcast. We are very excited for you to be here. Um, Harshini and I, as members of the Entrepreneurship Club, we spent a lot of time here at Blackstone and off campus at Capital Factory. And one of the names that kept coming up was Fifth and Cherry. So the more that we looked into Fifth and Cherry, we looked, we learned a little bit about your story and how unique it is to entrepreneurship. You had, you were in the Marines, then you went to investment, and then you went to Fifth and Cherry. And also, when we were looking at Fifth and Cherry, we learned, we saw the thing that stood out to me at least was your conviction and how you presented the story mm-hmm. of Fifth and Cherry. Because to sell something like you do in your space, you have to have that storytelling ability, and that was something that stood out to us. So, if you want to start us off with why, why, what does Fifth and Cherry mean to you, sure. and why? To be able to tell that story, you have to have it in your heart, and so that that's something that I have. Uh, absolutely in my heart. So uh, everything that you see when you go to um, the best page on About Fifth and Cherry is the About Us page. That took me a long time to re- uh, to write. Um, I wrote that and wrote that and wrote that and wrote that and then wrote that with Tanya some more. Tanya my, is my co-founder. And um, it took a long time to just get it what we felt was right. She knew what was in my heart, but... Um, to actually be able to express, I could never do it because the way it reads, and, and I'm doing this from memory, that the, the kitchen is the center of all activity is how it starts out. And that's the truth of any home. I, I think it, it transcends culture. It transcends wherever you're at, uh, whether you live in an apartment, a condominium, or you live in a house, whether no matter where you grew up, uh, the kitchen is where your day starts where life starts and um, to understand that that's where all the memories are going to be made and that everything is transient in this world and that when you're living your life and going about your daily routines, there's no other room in the house that anchors a family or anchors a couple or anchors loved ones or anchors siblings like the kitchen. And so to be able to get those thoughts onto a piece of paper, which I could speak to, I just could not articulate them very well. It took a lot of time um, because here, look at this. So as I, when you open up the box that has what we create here at Fifth and Cherry, uh, which I, I believe is the world's finest cutting board, you're, you're greeted with this letter. And I know it doesn't trans, translate. We can put a copy of the letter on the website or, or, yeah. we, or in the notes to the podcast. But when you read this, whether or not you're in the cooking or whether or not you understand uh, the gift is how this is given to gift givers or who are buying this to give it to the people they love. You, you read this letter that's contained inside of this box mm-hmm. and you know 
right away that the person that gave this to you loves you. Yeah. And and so for someone that might be just listening uh, to the podcast, when you feel and touch this cutting board, it it feels like nothing you've ever felt before. Here, you want to touch yeah, it? Yeah. absolutely. Here, take it out. So you just lift this little ribbon, and then here, please. Yeah. Like there's nothing it's that very you very different. How yeah. heavy is this? What's that? How heavy is this? Eight pounds. Eight this pounds. is we make we only make three sizes. I'm very hyper focused. So we make uh, a four, this is a fourteen by fourteen. We make an eighteen by eighteen and a mm-hmm. thirty-six uh, by eighteen. And so there there's nothing you've ever felt like this. So that stands out to the to the person who receives it. But more importantly, when you read the letter and you and you start to understand that uh, I use the words I use the word forever a lot because that's there's like just the thing that's in my heart is that we're so transient. So you mentioned the Marine Corps and I have a, I have a really acute um, uh, sense of just how uh, fleeting life can be. So um, I deployed to Iraq three times and I, I had uh, I loved my time in the Marine Corps. But I, I just have this uh, acute awareness, like so many others do, that you're not guaranteed the next day. And so how do you live on forever and in, 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 in the memories that you made with someone you love? How do you keep them in your heart just every time you step into a room or a space? And it's this cutting board. And so a lot of people, you, you know, your, your mom and dad or your, your, your family. They might be on Facebook or, or, or Instagram or, or whatever your social media platform is, mm-hmm. but there's no post you're ever going to go back to and go, oh, remember when dad made that joke or mom mom yeah. did this? You're not going to go back. You're just, And you're lucky if that platform even exists in 10, 15, 20 years, right? But when you use something in the kitchen that was handed down to you like your your – I, like for me, I, like like your mom's rolling pin, or for my my wife, um, her mom's uh, corningware, which is really special bakeware from the seventies. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which I'm my afraid. My mom loves it too. Which yeah, which I'm afraid to use every time because if you're going to break, yes, you just don't know where to go. Yeah, after like, that. like like like, <laughs> and, and so you don't. It's interesting to me because you don't. You can replace it. You just said you can replace it, but. It doesn't matter. No. What matters is, is that it was the original piece. That's what, like, if you lost your phone, you might care that you lost your phone, but what you really care about, like, you, it's not the phone, it's the pictures the and the people. Yeah, that are on, that are inside of that phone that you really care about. And so, like, when this cutting board is the only cutting board in, in the world that is refinished for life for free. Yeah. This cutting board is, is there's no other cutting board like this constructed they might make one that tries to look like this but they can't i know that that we're the only ones that construct a board in this fashion the way that you see on fifthandcherry.com and the about us page that video we're the only ones that construct and finish a board of this fashion and then and then i've gotten rid of the word warranty because i believe i'm leading what i what i call the forever retail movement that you're sick of disposability that you're sick of things filling the landfills and spending needless money on gifts just to fulfill obligations that when you give something if you took the time to shop for it and you and you in your heart love the person to which you're buying for, you're going to give them something that lasts forever. And so this cutting board, uh, as beautiful as it is, uh, is actually more functional than any other cutting board on the market. And because we refinish it for life for free, 
you're going to be able to, when it needs to be uh, refinished, send it back to me. Mm-hmm. And for free, I'm going to refinish it and ship it back to you for free. Mm-hmm. And then so no matter uh, who gave it to you, when they gave it to you, that person will live on forever every time you pull out this cutting board to use it. The tangibility offered by this product is it doesn't exist anywhere else. And it might. And if I took a long enough time to think about it right now, uh, maybe we could come up with something. But it's certainly not your Apple computer. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not your phone. It's certainly the things that you touch and use almost every day. You're not, most people aren't using their, their grandmama's coffee maker. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so this, though, this every day, if you want to speak to the people or you want them to, more importantly, to speak to you, you pull out this cutting board every day and create, and the people that you learn to cook with, that if they did it with you on this cutting board, will talk to you every day. Tim, how did your journey growing up shape some of the values that Fifth and Cherry strongly stands by? And was starting this company ever a dream of yours growing up? Did you ever imagine, you know, in the future that you wanted to start something like this? And how how did this come to be? Um, uh, it's easy to say. Yeah. But how many people don't live their dreams? So I wanted to fight. I wanted to be a Marine. I I wanted to feel figure out what it was like to actually. Uh, I went to school, and I and I was coming up on graduation. I mean, this is all the way back in '98, and so um, I realized, gosh, there, this is this is the culmination. Like, I'm going to go get some kind of lower level management job. Like I. I wasn't the best student. Um, I get very tired reading. Like my mind wanders. I'm a thousand points slide. You can tell uh, with the, with with how I talk. Um, and so I just said, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna become a marine. My old man, uh, my father. I, I mean, I love my parents so dearly. I'm such a mama's boy. And uh, I that whole attachment to family is how I was raised. And uh, my dad was a high school dropout became a sergeant in the Marine Corps at 18. And then um, from nothing, from sweeping floors, became a vice president of a kitchen manufacturing company in Reading, and then started uh, what is known as Razor's Custom Woodworking in 82. I mean, from nothing. And so here I am with all the, um, all the trappings of the best childhood I could have ever had. Um, and and I'm like, this is this can't be it. I got I got to do something that has more meaning. And um, I decided to let me figure out how to become a Marine. And that was hard. Like yeah. getting into the officer program was really hard for me. And then getting into the flight program once I was a Marine. I mean, you talk about having a guardian angel on your side. And so um, you get one shot to do something. So whatever it is that you, it, it's what you want to do. You think it's your life's calling, and you believe it in your heart. Like you gotta really want to go do it, yeah. And and so I I fought to get into the Marine Corps, fought for my flight contract. I had a really good career going, and um, and then just I wouldn't. I I always thought it was the coolest thing to make money with stocks. Like I never invested. I didn't have any money to invest. I was always sweeping floors at the shop or working odd jobs, playing football and stuff. And uh, in high school and and, and as a little dude and. Um, I just thought, gosh, to be able to make money with your mind, which is the stock market, mm-hmm. right? And so I wanted to do that. And so uh, just by chance, I got to meet William O'Neill. 
and uh, invest. And I started working at Investors Business Daily, and at the start of the worst recession since the Great Depression. Yeah. Uh, which you know, if you think about it, I started at a newspaper at the start of the worst recession, like in a, in a, in a in a medium that is not thriving, mm-hmm. right? And it turns out it was the best thing for me. Like I thrived there, in spite of myself, I thrived there, and. Um, from there, uh, I ended up here. So I, um, I I got the courage to go back and get my uh, MBA. And there's a whole group out there that doesn't believe in this, okay? And here, here's why it was the right decision for me, because someone heard that, right? Like someone in your listening audience heard that, that he went back at, it was two years ago now I graduated. So uh, what was I, just under 40 and um, when I started in 2016, that or just just turned 40, that well, that seems like a waste. Just start your business. And for me, I work in a really solitary environment in the stock market right now, or when I did. And you don't you don't know what you don't know. And I I have such good self awareness to know that I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. That there's some really smart people over here at the university that I could learn from. And so I enrolled myself in the executive MBA program, and I was, which which really just means I went weekends uh, <laughs> to school. I spent I spent you know what eight twelve hours on a Friday and a Saturday going to school, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it uh, because I was I was engaging parts of my brain that I hadn't thought of, and I was with really smart people. Like I loved. And I still do like you, I don't, you, you, you have knowledge that I don't have. And so I love this. That's why I was excited to do your podcast because I want to learn. I want to, I want to, I want to hear what questions you have and what thoughts you have so I can learn. And that environment, I went back to that program just so I could figure out how to do this. And then, uh, I met, uh, Jackie, uh, uh, one of my mentors, Mm -hmm. uh, for fifth and cherry who, uh, explained to me when he first saw this that it's not a cutting board that you're you're selling it's a gift it is a gift yeah and um that the jackie if you if anyone wants to know uh (laughs) there's some people that if you want to start your business there's some people i'll drop names that you should absolutely positively meet and jackie kimsey is absolutely one of them and jackie with his just no nonsense approach uh, just like you got a gift, go figure it out. And that took me from thinking of this as a utilitarian product. And it's, and I knew, uh, that, like you can't ruin this cutting board. Mm-hmm. It's the best surface for your knives. And yet it's the most beautiful thing in most people's homes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's awesome like that. Yeah. But he says it's not a cutting board, Tim. It's a gift, which then led me down the path of, well, the cutting board industry is $131 million annually. The gift giving industry is $131 billion mm-hmm. and that's a tremendous difference and so now oh my gosh how can i figure out my total addressable market from from this and and it's not just like 131 billion that's my total no 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 no. how many where do i think i can really sell this in the gift market and you cut and you start doing the research and how you grow and it's uh weddings and 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 then it's 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 holiday time and so okay well how do you figure out what part of the addressable market you could absolutely achieve? Well, then you start surveying and figuring out like where do people, what do people purchase, how they purchase it, and so all that that goes into it. And so doing a lot of customer research. I yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's interesting because when you say doing customer research, there's a bunch of entrepreneurs that'll say uh, they have the, uh, and I'll butcher it, the Steve Jobs approach to it, where 
you know, no one would have told you they wanted an iPhone. They wanted a phone with a keyboard, mm -hmm. you know, or the Henry Ford approach or the quote that people often uh, talk about is if I asked people what they wanted, I'd have given them faster horses, you know, not cars. And so there's a real fine line between listening to your audience and having the courage of your convictions. And um, there's a happy medium. And I wish I could tell people where that inflection point is. But um, it's all a personal journey. then. Yeah, it's all a personal journey to figure out where that happy yeah. medium is and and how to adjust along the way. And and, and you mind if I jump around? Yeah, go. And one of the biggest ways to one of the biggest ones that happened to me was um, in terms of listening to your audience and understanding how to stick to your convictions and the kind of it is putting your ego aside. Oh. I've hijacked your show. No, no, it's good because you have such a unique story. And I think, and right now, something that stuck with me, I mean, a lot of things have, but one of the biggest things that you said is you don't know what you don't know, right? Oh, and that's yeah. kind of what got you. Yeah, you just don't you. know. And I personally, being a student, and like for us being in the entrepreneurship club, being in this space, mm -hmm. right? Um, entrepreneurship is a very like tricky subject for a lot of students on campus just because they kind of associate that with, you know, you have to be a business major to pursue entrepreneurship or you particularly just have to be in the management school to pursue entrepreneurship. And something that, you know, we try to do as a club is really break that barrier and tell people that, you know, there is a lot of stuff that you don't know that's out there that people can help you for. And um, even just like in a generic, we see that mindset even now as students, right? We go to class, we take these exams and we just get through the day, but we don't really interact mm -hmm. with what's happening around us and I think the beauty of your product and even just the story that you're sharing like you can kind of see it like you didn't really you didn't even have to go into your marine experience but we can tell that you know you self-reflected so much that you were like you know what I'm going to make something where it lasts me in the moment and it's going to last me later on yeah. and so to get that transition at least as students I think is it's not not only is it going to make you a better entrepreneur but it just makes you a better human yeah end, oh, right? thank you um the the whole, the stock market really trains you for this and so does flying a helicopter. I've not ever took, I never took off on a flight in a mission where it went as we planned and it mm -hmm. was roughly three hours of planning for every hour of flight. And I can't think of a time where you just took off and, oh wow, that went exactly how we thought it was going to do. And so, um, and then the stock market, I, I'm fond of a saying that it's a market and anything can happen. And I, I view life like that, that you just don't know. And I want to be exposed to the people that I know have different life experiences are smarter than me in certain things. And I, I just want to be around that because I'm going to get better and I'm going to be able like you, this. Probably, you're right. This product reflects my inner values. Mm hmm. And, and that means the world to me, but how do I do it best? Like, what are the execution steps to do that best? And it, it's funny because I, I'm a fan of the word micro pivot. That's two words. And, and so, um, the, like people think of when you adjust, you're pivoting. And I think there's a group of entrepreneurs or, 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 or budding entrepreneurs that think that pivoting is giving up on your dream. And it's the furthest thing from the truth or, or giving in to something or someone. And and I, I the one that sticks out in my mind is I because I, I think that you just course correct along the way. Like you launched, like we launched. Yeah. And then you just course correct to figure out how to get how to get to where you want to be. And the, the one that sticks out in my mind the most right now is uh, personalization. So like I didn't want any messaging on my board other than uh, fifth and cherry 
And like I view this as like the, it, I only want to make beautiful classic things. Like you'll never say, I have three sizes. They all pretty much look the same. And they're, this will never go out of style. It's like the Tiffany's ring. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a solitaire and it's beautiful. Out of all of them, which one is kind of the most popular that you've seen? That the, most 18. People, the 18. The 18. Uh, so, uh, this, is the, this is the 14. This is the 14. No. So uh, we, I purposely, like, we, we, we purposely call them F and C 14. Like, I don't need majestic names. Like, I don't need um, – the product speaks for itself. I just – I want to strip all those things away. And I make a 14-inch board. I make an 18-inch board, and I make a 36-inch board. I thought you were going to ask. The one that means the most to me uh, is the 36. The 36 is the one I designed with my father. Yeah. And um, that's the one that means the most to me. It's so grandiose. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. How did you – well, the name, I mean, the chair. Oh, great. But, but, like, I wanted to ask you, like, you know – Wanted to ask you why? Why is it called Fifth and Cherry? I mean, I'm assuming yeah, yeah. because of the wood. Great question. Um, they're made uh, near the intersections, of, on the intersections of Fifth and Cherry Street. Yeah, no, we were we were talking about it before. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I think I know why. In but Philly? I just uh, no, was in, in Reading, Pennsylvania. Reading, Pennsylvania. And okay. then um, I only will make out of cherry. Yeah. And then uh, when you have a fifth wedding anniversary, the prescribed gift is wood. When did you start connecting the dots? Um, like, when did things start falling into place um, with your idea and your vision? And who were maybe like some people or resources that you used and met um, that really helped push this idea, this vision, your product forward? And you started seeing the big picture. When I when I, I would walk, I didn't go anywhere. The last semester of campus, or when I enrolled myself in the startup and launch program, part of the master's mm -hmm. in innovation and entrepreneurship program here at UTD, uh, when I enrolled in that second master's program, because now I wanted to really set this thing on fire and go. Yeah. And so that's how Brian Chambers came into my life. And that's how the startup, you mm -hmm. know, the Blackstone Launchpad came into my life and Dresden and Sarah, which then led me to Capital Factory and a whole bunch of other good stuff. And so, um, do you know how many people just... They just look at this and it's like, Tim, it's a block of wood. And so, no, 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 let me tell you. Let me tell you what this this represents. And so that is having the courage of your convictions. But I surveyed. Like, I surveyed. Um, and it, it looked awful. And I was it was one of the most scared things I'd ever done. Um, and, and I and if you think about it, when I say it's it's not hyperbole, like it was one of the most scared things I'd ever done was, was conduct a survey was, is there validity to this product? But you have to understand that I wanted desperately to bring this to market, but I didn't know if there was a market. Mm -hmm. And so I have to figure out how a way to survey and write questions that aren't leading, that are so basic in general that you get as honest of an answer as you can. And then leave it to people that you don't know to almost decide your fate. And so I was so scared. So it was the last semester of uh, the EMBA program and it was 2018. And Jackie, Jackie says, you got to get market validity here. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, is survey. And so um, created the survey. Uh, with my with my with my study group through some of my best friends now, and uh, affectionately known as G three, and uh, um, 
they kept asking, did you send the survey? Did you send the survey? So we had to find a group. We found a, a local Facebook group that is absolutely brutally honest with each other. And, and that's the nicest way I can put it. So I don't, I, I belong to the group, but I don't post to the group. They don't know me. They've never met my wife. Like they just, it's just a group we belong to for our local town. That's it. And so no affiliation. And so how are we going to do this? Well, so we created the survey. We can send, we can post the link, ask people to participate, but let's make a video really quick. I made a 23 second or a 30 second video. I think it was 23 seconds. And it, and it couldn't be leading. It couldn't be mm-hmm. anything, but like here is me. Here's this board. Uh, I've asked some questions of you. Could you please take five minutes and answer them? You're going to help me out. That's it. It looked like a hostage video. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so poorly done. Um, it was bad. Like it, it didn't look, it, it looked, it looked like a misguided school project is what it looked like. It was so awful. And so, but it was in the can. It was done. And so a week passed and I didn't send the survey because I didn't want to find out the answers. And then another week passed because I didn't want to I didn't want to find out the answers. So finally, one of the culminating parts of the uh, program I was in, you go to you go to a foreign country to kind of apply what you learn and meet some other businesses. <clears throat> and so I convinced myself that, oh, I'll just send I'm too busy, air quotes, <laughs> and I'll send the survey when I'm on the plane. And I've got two chances to do this because I'm going to take a plane to Chicago and then Chicago over to uh, Austria and then finally to the Czech Republic. Well, it turns out the Wi-Fi on the first plane was broken, which is hallelujah, right? Like now that got me out of having to send the survey. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't have to find out how many people are going to hate my idea. And then uh, now I've backed myself. This is like three weeks have passed or maybe even, it was, it was a long time from when we conceived it to me actually uh, sending it. I, and I never sent it. And so I'm about to get on the plane to Austria. And as it turns out, that plane doesn't have Wi-Fi. And so I called my wife and I say, Tanya, can you send the survey, please? And she said, yeah, absolutely. I'll send it for you. I'll post it. So she did it. And I boarded the plane, the door shut. And I literally, just want you to, if you're imagining this, I want you to understand just how scared I was. I wouldn't send the survey. I didn't. My wife had to send the survey. I literally climbed onto a steel tube and got as far away from the earth as I could. (laughs) So I didn't know the results. Yeah. Like that's, that's scared. And, um, have you read the lean startup? Lean startup. No, Mm -mm. there's a, um, there's a chapter in there about pivoting. Mm -hmm. I must've read that four or five times on the plane. Just because I figured that I needed a new idea. And then um, we land and I turn my phone on and it's just blowing up. And I almost started to cry. Um, To a T, every one of the comments was positive. Mm -hmm. It it almost, I I don't know if I've ever felt relief like that. Yeah. What was that? That change because you pushed it off for three weeks, yeah, and then you made that call to your wife before yeah. the boarding the plane. Why did you make that call? I had a great do. Oh. <laughs> I was letting people down, mm-hmm. like the I, people in the in my the G three, uh, whom I love. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're waiting on you. Hey, we're waiting on you. Hey, we're waiting on you. And of course, you know, uh, I didn't explain to them that I was definitely scared of this. I mean, one of them would have stepped up and done it for me. 
And um, I'm just putting it off, you know, I'll ignore your text, Mm -hmm. you know, like, no, it'll get done. (laughs) And uh, it was the best thing ever. Not to go on a tangent, but um, on the survey, you were talking about you can't put your own bias into the survey because that skews the results. Mm -hmm. What kind of questions did you ask the people Mm. that... Great just... question. Um, one of the ones, and I'm doing this from memory. Uh, one of the questions that sticks out of my mind is, um, gosh, that survey is two years old now. Um, do you think the idea of a forever cutting board is innovative? Yeah. Like the majority of them. And I, and so that's it. Man, high five. That's a great effing question you just asked. <laughs> and here's why. Because it leads me into a pain point. Like you asked earlier, why this product now? Yeah. Which is going to, I'm going to answer that finally, I think, with a little more clarity. Do you think a cutting board, a forever cutting board is innovative? And I, was it 68 or 88? One of those two percentages, I know that's a big difference, but the majority of the people that answered the question believed it was so. And I was amazed. Because when I would come to campus and tell people that I have this cutting board that I'm going to finish for life for free, I'm telling you, when you tell people you're going to make a cutting board, nobody gets excited. <laughs> and um, as it turns out, it's the biggest selling feature of the board. You So you kind of mentioned this with the whole, with the, your survey yeah. um, story with, you know, trying to get over that fear of just, because mm-hmm. you were just so worried about what the results were going to be. Yeah. Um you know, for anyone wanting to start a new venture, what were some of the fears that you overcame and you're like, you know what, hell yeah. Like, oh, the best I, thing. Like, the, I, came, I, yeah, I can do so this. That, that's a great question. You need to start writing. Yeah. Like, and that's not, like if I said something so emphatically that said you will grow as, you will find yourself, you will reach within your soul and the person that you want to become will emerge if you start writing. And so... um Fifth and Cherry didn't start like I'd love to tell you that I opened this the doors to my digital store, you know, fifthandcherry.com, and everybody bought Sorrent. not one sale, not one. And I'm like, huh. And I was crushed. I don't think crushed isn't the right word, but like you just have all this spirit and you're just like, oh my God, right. I'm like, what, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. And so, and this wasn't like we just opened the store and we thought people were coming. No, we had a plan. Like mm-hmm. there were, there were Facebook ads. There, there was a ton, I mean, a ton of traffic and no sales. And so I, I, I went, so that was April of 2019. And so from there I went to, um, I realized I better do something. So I went to, I said, oh, I'm going to just get in front of people. And I'll figure it out. So I signed up for the Dallas Market Center, which is a wholesale show. Mm-hmm. And I said to Tanya, I said, I'm just going to get in front of people and figure out how to do this. And the first day, I, I, I couldn't even get anyone to stop by the booth. I'm going to get to your question. It's, it, it's being answered with this. Yeah. I couldn't get anyone to stop by. And I went home dejected because most of the... Um, most of the buyers, they were female. And here I am. And I can't, and the, and the people at the booths around me, and this was me feeling sorry for myself, were saying things like, oh, doesn't that look nice? Oh, you're dressed so pretty. And I'm like, I can't say any of that. <laughs> you know? Like, that's, that's going to get me kicked out of here. That, that's not going to get me 
any sales. And so I went home, I told Tanya, and she said, you're just gonna have to figure it out. Like she gave me tough love. Yeah. Like she didn't, she didn't wallow in my own sorrow. She pretty much kicked my ass about it. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to say whatever comes to my mind tomorrow. And that was, so Wednesday I was dejected, but on Thursday, the first person I saw as I just, I almost threw the board at them. Like I was like, here, you have to feel, feel it. it. Like I said, you've not felt anything like this in the world. I said, look, you don't have to buy one. I just need you to feel it. And when it's like satin. Yeah. And when, and when I did that, this lady stopped and she said, what is this? And I got to tell her. Your story. And then I told her and then she became our first dealer. Yeah. And it's a flower shop. It's, it's not, you, you wouldn't even think that a flower shop would want to sell these. But I was so determined to find my first sale that I would I, I didn't care who you were. I just you were human. Yeah. And you were breathing. And, <laughs> and by gosh, you're going to hear my story. So we ended up selling. After I one led to another, led to another, and then I got my footing and I realized I'm, there's something I'm missing. So we took all the ad, like the people on Facebook and Instagram can be really mean, right? <laughs> and so we had all we had our ads running and I've never done it. And I'm not being facetious when I say this or trying to make a joke. I've never made a comment to someone's Facebook or Instagram ad. Like I've never left a good comment or a snarky comment. Like Mm -hmm. why? Like I'm not commenting on like, you know, like I just don't feel the need to do that. But there were a ton of people leaving a lot of mean comments on our ads when we first launched. And there was some good. Yeah. But once I got over the giving them double middle fingers, right? Like, screw you. Wait a minute. What are you saying? Like, let me, let me put my ego aside. Like, what are you actually? What are you, tr- what are you trying mm-hmm. to say through these really mean words? And as it turns out, I wasn't doing a very good job of explaining our value proposition. What kind of comments were you getting? Just curious. Price. Price. Yeah. And, and so, but price is... Price can be a function of anything, and it could be a function of where you, where, how you were raised. Um, there's, look, it's too easy to go, we're not for everyone. That's not true. We mm-hmm. are for everyone. My message of Forever Retail is for everyone. My job is, as a manufacturer and a retailer needs to be able to tell you in a truthful way why this is the greatest value on the market. And so I wasn't doing that well. And I took that to heart. And so Tanya and I designed, we didn't redesign the website, but we took the comments that mattered, figured out what they were trying to say. And so now on the website, you see the beacon. And which is, whether you're on your phone, 99% of our traffic's all mobile, believe it or not. They order from mobile. And so um, you can touch it, it it lists the technical features. And so the two biggest pieces of advice, I mentioned writing. I'm going to explain how you start writing that people will listen, listen, read, <laughs> which is listening. Yeah. And then um, the, the thing that an entrepreneur, whether it doesn't matter the technology, we're all consumers. So if you're making a drone, you got to sell your, you have to be able to sell your drone, your app, your startup, whatever it is, your software, whatever it is yourself. You have to find a way to present the technical reason why you or your idea or your product is superior and then 
bring them in emotionally to what you're feeling. And it can't be fake. Like you can't just, you can't just, people are smart. Like they're going to see through that. And you need to, if people can marry, if an entrepreneur or anyone can marry the technical and the emotional, you've got something. And that's not just true of business. That's true of life. If you want to date or you want to get married, you better be able to explain why you are a superior product to all the other mating potential people out there. <laughs> and then you bring in the emotional as to why that person makes you a better person. Like there, there's such a connection between the technical and the emotional. And I didn't quite get that at first. I was all emotional. Like I, I am, I, you know, I, my parents are getting older and it scares the shit out of me. I don't want that. And so I've created the product that I know will live on forever. But I better be able to explain why this product can live on forever, the technical aspects of it. So from once I realized that, and I started processing that, it was the weekend right before Labor Day of 2019 that I made my first post about Fifth and Cherry on LinkedIn. Find me, who's ever listening to this, find me on LinkedIn. I'll show you the way. LinkedIn, you can start now. Like the, the question you asked is how do you, how do you do something now that positively affects your business, the prospects of business success in the future? Start writing on LinkedIn and write your soul. People are smart. They'll see through veneer. Yeah. Write your soul. And what I just said, by the way, about experiential retail is not popular. What I just said goes across the grain from all the research. Uh, we're doing, it, we're, there's circus clowns and yoga and there's goats. And, 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 uh, but in the corner, there's erectile dysfunction pills and sono speakers. How does that separate you? How does that endear the consumer to you? The product, if it doesn't, if it doesn't meet all the wants and dreams of the consumer, the product is the experience. And if it doesn't do that, you don't have an experience. And eventually mm. all that venture capital money that's flowing yeah. into experiential retail will be burned up. And so I started writing about that and I found an audience that believes the same thing. And it's not like an echo chamber. Like you're putting your thoughts out there. And believe me, people are, they, 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 they are not afraid to tell you. I know this for a fact. I ran some Facebook ads. Like they, they will tell you, you're messed up, man. Like you don't know what that you're talking about no 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 i was getting the 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 proverbial head nods and like dude you you you're something yeah and then from there the linkedin uh connection gets stronger because these people will start contacting you back channel you know on a direct like you and i communicate yeah and and you're 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 starting to go hey tell me more about this tell me more about your thoughts on experiential retail and how the product is the experience and, and then you start expanding on it. And so when I meet stores, they're like, now we just did a, the Atlanta um, um, Total Home and Gift Show. And we picked up 25 stores. Like, they know when I'm talking to them. And I'm screening. I'm a lot better at screening now, too. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I want to find really, I want to find people that are excited to carry our product. Yeah. Like, they have products in their stores that they know that if the experience isn't right and it doesn't meet what their consumer wants, that they're not going to have consumers that keep coming back into the store. Because it's about, it's the attention economy, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so when you've got something interesting to say, say it. Because there's people that want to listen that and, 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 and invite them to disagree with you because it's going to sharpen your focus. You can't be afraid. Like an echo chamber is the most dangerous thing you could ever live yeah. in. This was one hell of an episode. I think it's <laughs> one of my favorites so far. Well, just I because. No, yeah, because like, you know, different. it's very different because you, you know, even if you guys ever get to meet Tim or even if you ever get to connect with him, I think it's worthwhile of an opportunity because the story that you share, it just goes beyond just your product. Well, come find just, me. I'm yeah. available. Like, I, I've had so many people uh, help me and support what I'm doing. Uh, I'm more than happy to, to return the favor. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tim, again, for coming on our podcast for the up and coming. And we can't wait to see where you guys go ahead with Fifth and Cherry. And like I said, like Ronak mentioned before, if you guys get a chance, please do check Fifth and Cherry out. Um, and we're going to link the description onto the podcast. Sure. But thank you again. Oh, thank you.